0: some of you already know where we're turning if you've been around here for a while on Sunday mornings but this is the last week please don't applaud that but this is the last this is the last week in Ephesians chapter 6 we've been on a journey through the armor of God and uh, this is the sixth and final installment of this Sunday morning series and uh, you don't have to say it out loud but many of you under your breath should be saying thank the Lord praise God Amen. I am, uh, I'm so thankful for what God gives us in His Word. And that's really what we're going to talk about here today with this, this final portion of the armor of God in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 17. We started here and we're going to conclude here. <clears throat> Some of you remember six weeks ago how hard it was for me to start in verse 17 but I'm thankful now I get to end with the same Scripture, but on a different part. Verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation. We really exhausted that in mind in talking about the mind and guarding the mind at some level on the first week, but it goes on and says, in the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It brings definition. Lest lest we try to create something out of it which is not. The sword of the Spirit, Paul said, it is the Word of God. And that's our focus for today's study, to really take a look at the Word of God. If you have a Bible, I want us to do something a little interesting. Maybe you read the Bible on your iPad or on your phone, or maybe, you know, you brought your own you know, they still make these. These are, these are amazing. However you brought it, whether you brought it digitally, maybe you're just super smart. You've got the whole thing memorized. You just walked in. But would you, in some form or fashion, if it's on a phone or an iPad or it's an old leather bound, would you just lift that with your hands today in prayer? Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for our time together. I thank you for the opportunity to share your word. I pray that you would help us. I pray that you would help us. I pray that you would help us to love your word, not just hear from your word, but to be doers of the word, to recognize it's important in our life. I pray that you would help me to articulate today with wisdom, with clarity, in a way that people would enjoy your word and would apply it to their lives. I pray it in Jesus' name. And let everyone say amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated today as we take a look here at the sword of the Spirit. Does anyone, does anyone in this room, you own a sword? And I'm not talking about a Bible, but actually a sword. You own a sword. Raise your hand. The government has asked us to take some, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Some of the hands were like, <laughs> just, just kidding. Oh, excellent. You own a sword. Fantastic. There actually were a couple of hands that really shocked me. <laughs> Interested, interesting at least. Um, most expensive sword that's ever been sold. You'll see a little picture of it. The Boteng Sabre, this 18th century sword, now recognized as the most expensive sword in the world. Originally sold for a measly 5.5 million. A couple years later, it sold for 7.7 million dollars. That was in 2008, made during the reign of Kuai during... Uh, around 1736 to 1795 this s-shaped black design equipped with the built-in jade handle and i will tell you that this like most things the value is in the eye of the beholder because a i don't have 7.7 to give but b if i did (laughs) Anybody in the room could think of a better way to spend 7.7? Yeah. Yeah. The reality of this great text that we are, we're so often afforded the opportunity to read, to process, to both hear preached and taught and then to read and to be a part of ourselves. I shock no one. I say no great line that leaves you on the edge of your seat when I tell you what you already know. This is the most valuable sword that we've ever had. It is the most valuable sword that we will ever know about. It is, in fact, the Scripture. It is the Word of God and it brings us to a place where we can understand Paul's discussion here is that the sword is both defensive and offensive. It is in the book of Hebrews where we find one of the most quoted scriptures in reference to the Word of God. For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. But we do not believe that Scripture is simply the opinions of men. The way that my mind works, um, the way that I think through the text, the way that I try to process. I spent some time alone with the Lord yesterday, and I was, I was thinking, I was praying, I was reflecting on where I had been and where we were going this morning. And I, I found myself almost overwhelmed trying to think about a guy by the name of Paul that is so familiar to us. Sister Goddard, I I was thinking from a teacher's perspective. I was trying uh, to figure out when and how and why the Lord used Paul, when He used him, to write more than letters to a then church, but to a now church. We believe in the inerrancy of Scripture. We believe... That Scripture is God-breathed. That it comes from the Lord. We believe that that Bible you hold, many of you have a particular type of Bible that when the words of Christ are said, they are in red lettering. But we do not believe that those, those Scriptures, those words that are only printed in red hold exclusivity to God. We believe that every word, Was from God. The difference in those words in red are when God was manifest in the flesh and walked among us. But lest we unintentionally do so, some have placed the significance of those words during that timeline as of greater importance than other portions. And that, in fact, is not true. To truly study the text, there is no such thing as Old Testament, New Testament, there's a Bible. There's a Word of God so genuinely crafted and thank God for the press that would begin to actualize it and make it so readily available for men and women who were under a, 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 a time and a season where Luther himself had stood up strongly against the tradition of men. Tradition itself had taken on the weightiness of Scripture when that 95 thesis was was pinned there to the door in this argument, this standard against the thought that men and women could not come to God and the thought that somehow traditions of men, please, traditions of men had been elevated to such a place where their respect was the same as Scripture. It ought not be so for there is there is one book it starts with the creation of man and it works from genesis all the way to revelation 66 books let's do a little pop quiz how many if we if we define the testaments and we don't even get into history and poetry and law and just just if we take the old testament how many books 39 books, and then 66 minus 39, how many are in the New Testament? 27. For some of you, that's just like, Pastor, that's old. But for other people in this room, it might be the first time they ever heard It's 66 books. And so all around this room there are people at different levels and different, different places in their journey with God and seeking God and knowing about God. We know that currently on our own youth team we have members who were serving that said when they first came to church uh, 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 not too long ago they didn't even know that there was a different place in the Bible for different books. Could it be that if we're not careful, the sword that we have called the Word of God is treated more like a relic that sits on a shelf than one that we sharpen? See, I grew up in a home where my dad has the best knife collection of anyone I know. I've been a lot of places. I I uh, I've, I've been able to see some pretty amazing collections, but my dad still to date has the best one that I have ever seen, and he has it extremely guarded. My dad is uh, meticulous; every single serial code is noted. And and uh, uh, but one thing, as a boy, always growing up and enjoying the outdoors and like. Just loved being outside. My dad, not only did he have affection for these knives, but his knives were razor sharp. Always so sharp. Guys would bring, I can remember guys bringing on the regular, bringing their knives to my dad. And I would watch my dad sit at the kitchen table. Some of you have done this. You've been a part of sharpening knives, so you'll know what I'm saying. And he'd, he'd get out this special little kid. He looked like he was a doctor about to perform surgery, you know. And, and he'd lay out these towels just the right way because you could never get knife oil on the table. Oh, my mom, that's when she not with that many knives out you know you can't <laughs> and uh he'd get out these 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 little um sharpening tools and they'd slide down in and he'd begin to sharpen and he has the electric ones too but he'd always talk about how there was nothing like the meticulous nature and he'd put that little bit of oil in and he'd start with a little bit rougher. For some of you that have been in construction it's the same concept uh, at least in theory of sanding down and starting with a particular grit of sandpaper and then working down and I would watch fascinated as a kid never doing it myself but watching as he would meticulously work the sides of those blades and and back, and he'd go from one one stone to the next stone to the next stone. He was razor sharpening the edge of that knife. And I, I lost track over the years, Brother Romine, of how many guys would come and get that knife that had been sharpened by my dad. And I'd hear them say this these words, man, never, never does anybody get it as sharp as you do. No one, no one has this time, uh, or, or no one's able to do it like you, you've done it because of the time that was put in. And that's really what it was. It It took time, it took effort, it took energy. My dad, I was was so afraid that he was possibly gonna disown me uh, when I went and bought one of these little cheap you pull the knife through. (laughs) You know, it's like first time he saw me holding that, he was like, it it was that look of we're better. Like (laughs) we're we're better than this. But when I was thinking about sharpening my knives, I saw him sharpen knives for all those times, but I never sat down and said, teach me. I watched, but I would not know how to utilize. You can only do so much without being hands-on. You can only pick up so much from a distance. Remember the first time I'd been around knives my whole life, and I can remember one of my first times in the field that I actually got to carry my own knife. And don't worry, it wasn't too gruesome or anything like this, but I I did get to use my own knife. And because I got to use my own knife that my dad had sharpened, I have a forever scar right here. (laughs) I was so excited to use it, I just did not recognize what it was when I was trying to use it. Can I tell you that simply being around church does not make you proficient with this. I've been in the church for 20 years to which I would commend and say, that makes me so happy. It makes me thankful. But your closeness to the church does not really teach you how to wield the sword. The ability to use this. Now, I learned as a result of this little cut right here, I've learned how and how not to use this knife. I've learned the circumstances I should and the circumstances I should not. I learned very quickly which direction you cut. Every now and then I'll see some young person using a knife. I was in a a scenario not too long ago, about two years ago, and someone was using a razor blade to cut something, and they were cutting up toward them. as all they could. No! You're going to self-inflict here in just a moment. And yet as simple the illustration might be, I have seen many people try to pull, pull this sword out not having proven it any more than David had the armor of Saul, and trying to utilize it and unintentionally self inflict pain because they pull a right scripture out of the wrong context and try to use it to fit their current lifestyle. This sword right here is meant to make us more like him. It's meant to cut away of the flesh and be an offense against the enemy. And it's meant to be a defense because there are times when the enemy will come in like a flood. He will. Paul is allowing them to understand. You, nobody in this room that's a believer will ever have to say, Hey, devil! Devil! Here I am. He's gonna find you. He's gonna pay attention to your weakness. And when the devil does it, this old flesh you're carrying around will. But this word gives me defense against the attacks of the enemy. But it's not only a defense, it is an offense. It puts me in the place where I can go. Now, our prayer for the sick. Here's my question. Is that defensive or offensive? You didn't ask for the sickness to find you. Nobody in here prayed for diabetes. No one asks God for cancer. But I think our initial response Defense to stop it. But I don't want to simply live in defense. If I can take this sword that I spend time sharpening, spend time studying... And it's like my dad pulling out those old stones and working on the edge of that blade. If I can not only hear it preached across the pulpit, but at home in my place of devotion, I'm able to open up and I go to Isaiah. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace is upon Him. And with His stripes... We are healed. That takes me from a defensive posture to an offensive posture. I get away from where I have to feel bad about where I'm at. And I get to say, wait a minute. The sword says I don't have to settle for this. I don't have to settle for the attack against my body or my mind. We started, remember, we started with the helmet of salvation. I put the helmet on. Can I tell you that just because the helmet's on doesn't mean let them take a chop? Take a swing, I got my helmet on. It's not what we do. Instinctively, instinctively, everyone in this room, if I would come to poke your eye, what would you do? You'd lift your hand. You would throw up your arm. You would do it. The sword is meant to be in your hand. It is defensively meant to come up and to guard. If, someone, if the enemy comes in and wants to attack your mind, the sword should be the defense that you have your shield of faith and you have your sword. Your shield has been defense. Your sword may have to block it from this side, but your sword is primarily meant to turn you from a defensive posture into an offensive posture. Whoa. Where instead of being overwhelmed by the attack that is against you. You're able to pull out this sword and say I recognize that you are throwing everything against me. But I have found a sword that is more powerful than any enemy, any foe, any sickness, any psychological issue. I have found a sword that will work. It's the sword which is. The Word of God. I am a firm believer that God still speaks to His people. I am a firm believer in that. I'm a firm believer that some are going to think I'm cuckoo. I am a firm believer that you can talk to God and He will hear you. Now, I know you know that spiritually, shield of faith, but think about that logically. I talk, and he hears. I like to test people sometimes. Every now and then, I I say, just say the name Jesus, and see what you feel. It's amazing how the Lord will show up. I believe that, but can I tell you that? I don't just randomly believe that. The only reason I believe that is because this sword tells me. Let me tell you one step further. This is just craziness. I believe that if I ask him to take my sins away, (laughs) he will actually forgive me. He'll actually forgive me. Tell me that's not an offensive weapon for someone to be able to walk in absolutely overwhelmed with sin and in one moment of recognition say, wait a minute, God, I believe you're real and I need you to forgive You know why I believe that? Because the sword says he is faithful and just to forgive. I'm gonna tell you one more and some of you are thinking, oh, I've heard this a hundred times, if not a thousand. I I am so, I'm just odd. Because I believe that if you get baptized in the water all the way under, in the name of Jesus Christ, that it will remit, that it will remit your sins. It'll take your sins and carry them away. This is gonna sound really weird, but I think that we're buried with Christ in baptism. That when people come up out of the water, they are a new creature. That they're not the sinner they were. Now for anybody that thinks I'm making that up, I found that in the sword. I found that right here. It's not just all about praying better and feeling better and and looking better. The main point of this sword is to fight for your soul and to say he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. How about this? (laughs) I believe God will come and live inside of people. Now, some of us that have been in church a long time were like, yeah. Other people in this room are like, like inside. Think about it. Sometimes we've held the sword so long that we don't even recognize it's not sharp in our hand anymore. My dad, my dad, on all those knives he has, he has this one knife that we were never allowed to touch. Come to think of it, I never touched many of those knives. But there was one up on the wall, like this long, big old beautiful knife. The only thing that ever happened to it was dusting it. Never meant to be used, but looked great. Whew! I don't want to just look the part. I don't want to just look the part. I believe, I believe God desires to come live inside people. But do you realize there are, there are smart people like Nicodemus who will say, how do I get back in my mom's womb? And aren't we? We're so educated with Scripture. Oh, 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 oh Nicodemus. Silly Nicodemus. (laughs) You know what I have found? The more time you spend with the sword, you actually appreciate the sword. Jesus could have been so condescending to Nicodemus right then. Can I tell you something? That I've seen some that are too quickly condescending because they know truth. We don't want to be that way. We want to be genuinely... We want to be genuinely kind and wise. How can I... Am I supposed to enter a second time into my mom's... How's that? Except a man be born of the water. And then what'd he say? Of the Spirit. So here it is. And I know that a vast majority... I'm preaching to the choir. But God can come and live inside. (laughs) So let me ask you this. If we believe 2 Timothy 3.16, let's throw it on the screen so everyone can read it. If you don't have it highlighted in your Bible, it's a good one. 2 Timothy 3.16. Can we put that on there? All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for what? Doctrine? Reproof? Correction? I don't really like that. Instruction in righteousness. What good is a sword that cannot cut? But I've got to decide with my life, I've got to decide with my life, is the word cutting positive or negative things out of me. Because I promise you this, the sword should not have to be constantly cutting things out of us that we're holding on to. (laughs) At some point, I've got to recognize this sword is keeping me alive, not killing me. I've got to allow it to cut off some things that are not there. But it's all given by the inspiration of God. Now watch this, because you're you're these people. John chapter 1. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. You know it. Verse 14. And the Word became God. Flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full. Ah. So this word walked among us. But then this word was left with us. So time out, wait a minute, because there's another part of the text where Jesus, being the Word made flesh, looked at them and said, I must go away. But I'm going to send the Comforter to you. So I, flesh, Word, flesh, I'm leaving. Don't leave. I'm leaving. But I'm going to send my Spirit. I'll send the Comforter. Go and tarry at... Jerusalem. So they go and they tarry at Jerusalem. And what happens? Acts chapter 2, we read about it. When the Spirit of God pours out, where does the Spirit of God come to fill? Inside of those believers. So watch this now. His Spirit. Can I tell you something? There's not multiple types of the Holy Ghost. There's, there's just the Holy Ghost. Okay. There's not like, well, I got like God, Junior, and, and no. You either get the Holy Ghost or you don't. The Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, same thing, Spirit of God. And you know, we can take that for granted because I have been asked by a genuine question. So what's the difference between the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit? Nothing. No difference. Just the way they say it. Okay? Some people say amen. Some people say amen. I, I don't know. Some people say Raymond. Some people say Raman. I don't, it's just, sorry. So the Holy Spirit came and it dwells in these people and they spill out. Please watch it. They spill out in the road. You know this. It was evidenced because they were speaking another language, right? When a person is filled with God and then picks up The Word of God. (laughs) When you, full of the Spirit of God, take out the written Word of God, and you turn on the enemy of your life and the enemy of your soul, do you recognize the absolute and awesome power That it's not just the power of this word. But it's the power that resides inside of you. When I get the God. I get the God of the universe. Can I tell you why you need to really. Not just pray what you think, but every now and then you need to open up and just pray the word of God. Pray the word of God over your situation. Pray the word of God over your family. Pray the word of God. I'm going to tell you why. This is his word. And when you... When you as a Holy Ghost filled believer begin to get in alignment with his word it is that word all working together. And I'm telling you there's not a devil in hell. There's not a devil in this city. There's not a, there is not any principality or power that is greater than this sword. There is not a problem. There is not a sickness. There is not a dilemma that is greater than this sword. I don't just want this to be another one in the collection. I don't want it to just be another knife in the case. I need this to be a sword that the enemy knows. They know how to use it. They know how to work through it. They know how to employ the Word of God. Come on, what good are we if we have Bibles, but we can't use them? What good are we if we have Scripture, but we do not use it? Somebody needs to pull the sword out of the sheath today and remind yourself, the sword tells me greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world somebody that's been overwhelmed, you need to pull the sword out and remember, I can do all, all things. How? Through Christ who strengthens me. Stand with me in the house today. It's the sword. It's the sword. If you haven't thought about that, please think about it. Wait a minute. I'm full of the Holy Ghost. I started by telling you about Paul and how I spent yesterday, and I want to conclude this way. I I laid in that place with God. Tears filled my eyes as I tried to think, Pastor Lopez, how overwhelming it must have been for Paul. Paul to allow the Holy Ghost to use Him like that. Theologians want to rebuttal and destroy and deter and detract and work against personality. I don't know if this is canon or not. I, I, I don't know if this is authentic or not. I, Well, we've got to guard the way that this word can even be dumbed down in transliteration. We have to guard that. Why? Because no one in this room that had the priceless relic of a sword, nobody in this room would let somebody go out and play in a sword fight against somebody with an aluminum bat. Because you would guard it. And we're not meant to play games with the sword. How must Paul, how did you feel, how did you feel, how did you feel? We think of it sometimes as just the the, the thought of Paul writing a letter to a church or or Paul writing an epistle. He's just just right, but no, 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 not if I believe. Not if I believe that the Holy Ghost... (sighs) What weightiness it must have been. It must have felt more enormous than any of the stripes that he took or the shipwrecks that he endured. or The the weightiness. The weightiness. The weightiness. Might it have been that that thorn in the flesh, some say it was his eyesight, some say it was what he had done, but, but might it have just always been, I know who I am. And yet he's using He's using me. Can I tell you, ladies and gentlemen, He knows where you've been, but He still has a sword for you. There's a reason this is the number one best-selling book of all time, not by millions, by billions with a B. The next closest book is over four billion copies away. but they've tried to burn this out for a millennium. They've tried to stomp this out. I spent yesterday reading, I don't want to bore you with, I spent yesterday reading about old court cases. I read about the, the first court case that helped there in Pennsylvania to eliminate public reading of the Bible in school. And look where we are. I love, I love technology. I'm thankful for it. I, I'm thankful that I, that I have a, an iPad here where I can read my Bible. I can take it with... I'm thankful. I'm thankful for this. But I have found that this sword has a lot less distractions than this one. When I fell in love with this sword, When I fell in love with this book right here, I knew very little about it. Open confession time. I had been raised in the church, but I knew very little about this sword. Can I tell you something? I even had been filled with his spirit, but I knew very little about this sword. Brother Ross, I was was so moved. I was about 15, 16 years old. I was so moved. Felt this call on my life and couldn't understand it. But we had that old, I had an old desk in my corner of my childhood bedroom there in central Illinois. It was my grandmother's desk. She had passed away. I'd sit there at that desk and I'd take, and I'd just pour through this. I was trying to get through the hithers and the thithers. The thous and the begats thought I'd read the New Testament until I got into Matthew 1. <laughs> Figured out Psalms was a little more my speed. And I... Pastor Guy and I... I, I didn't really even understand it. Brother Brown, I, I'd sit there in that room. I'm just telling you the truth. I just... About a year and a half later I was going to come to IBC and when they told me that I, should, I would probably be a theology major I didn't know what the word theology meant. Truth. But I'd sit at that little desk start reading that scripture. It became so amazing to me that I had this living thing always around me. That when I just started spending a little time with... It, whew, can I give you a public confession? I've told this story many times and this is not me asking you to go home and do anything. This is me talking about a time in my life when I needed it. I had a big old TV sitting there in the corner. I still see my mom's eyeballs as big as saucers the day I... Unplugged that TV and carried it down. Set it on the counter in the kitchen. She looked at me like, what are you doing? You begged for that TV. I said, Mom, I don't know what God is doing in my life. I just sat in that corner, that room, and I just... I got to feel that sword in my... I didn't even know how to hold it when I first started. Over time, the the love for this Word early, early changing. I didn't understand the synoptics. I didn't understand how the Gospels had some repeating qualities in the way that the... I was, I was absolutely overwhelmed. I was in prayer and trying to figure out this Bible, and I, I went to a place, the Gospels in Luke, where it says, now also the axe is laid into the root of the tree, and the tree there forthwith bringeth forth no good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. And the only reason I can quote you that is at 15, 16 years old. I, Set in that room and I got a feel of that sword in my hand. And I, I read that scripture and it was like God spoke to me and said, You're not producing anything worth keeping. I didn't need I didn't need the pastor to tell me that. I didn't need my youth pastor. I just found that this sword. So shocking because I was reading through the Bible and I found the same verse said almost identically. In two of the gospels and I went to my youth pastor like I had uncovered, Brother Sleeve, of this great treasure. I found someone. No one else has ever found this. You know why I didn't know it was in there? Because I never spent any time with it. This is your sword. Marriages, this is your sword. Mom, Dad, this is your sword. Right now, for I'm going to tell you, when I'm laying in prayer for Brother and Sister Baldwin, this, this is Brother McFarland, this is this. Is, this, this. Ladies and gentlemen, this, 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 this. This, this is our sword. Would you lift your hands towards heaven and would you pray with me that God would give us a love for His Word? A love for His Word. Some of you are in love with history, fall in love with the history of the text. Some of you are in love with poetry, fall in love with the poetry of the text. Help us, oh God. Ooh. I'm talking to some people in this room right now that you know you just need the Word to cut away some things. Ooh. I need the Word to cut away some things. I need it to help me not just to always live on the defensive, but to go on the offense. Not like a freshly sharpened knife that I do not know how to use. I need it in my hand. I, I try to train young ministers. We cannot use the Bible as a textbook for a good thought. Whew. I feel compelled to make this appeal right now. Somebody needs the sword to become offensive in your family, in your life. You need the sword to be offensive. I'm going to give you a real good practical. For some of you, you need to go home and get a bunch of scriptures and put post-its around your house. You need to just put them up on the mirror. You need to put them up over the door. This is going to be a house of God. Ooh, this is is not going to be a house of quarreling. This is not going to be a house of backbiting. This is not going to be a house of contention.